welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. We have another special episode for all of you. Uh, we have our same guest that we had on last week. Uh, not only do we have Father Andy, like we normally do, he's no longer a guest. He's never really been a guest. He's just kind of always Thankfully. been the uh, the the host slash co-host. Sometimes he talks more than I do. Sometimes I talk more than him. But that's just the nature of it. We have, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, yeah. It, just, just talking. Just, I'm just, just go for it. Yeah, it's one of those nights. There was no rehearsal for this one whatsoever. No, pre- there, there there no were, preparation. Stop breaking, like stop breaking the the. Uh, oh, we are there. we are professional podcast radio. We're we're shooting to get on the radio, and so this is yeah. my new radio voice. Actually, I sound more like a weatherman, <laughs> but maybe that's my calling. So we have. <laughs> all right, I, I gotta stop being ridiculous. We, we and of have, course, we have again with us uh, Mr. Oh, AJ Gedney. Thank you. I'm taking over like two weeks ago or so, whenever that last time was. Hi, AJ. How are you? I am good. Skies are partly cloudy with a high of <laughs> 75. Now, <laughs> nope. Things are good here in Kentucky. <laughs> Woo! All right. And of course, again, this week we have joining us Father Joe Patron. You know, Joe, it's good to have you on. But uh, some comments were, we got to get you to talk more. Now, you had mentioned that you finally figured out why you couldn't hear us last time and something was set down low. Yeah, uh, I have a lot of technological difficulties and most of them turn out to be user error. Uh, I had uh, the hotkeys, of course, for my microphone. And did not know that it was only controlling my microphone. I tried to click <laughs> out and have it turn up the volume on the system, but apparently I wasn't smart enough to figure that out. So it'd be a good I was it's good I wasn't spouting my opinion last week. <laughs> <laughs> well that that's fine. We'll get you on this week. You're gonna have to really make up because people were, were dying to hear from you. So we gotta fix that. Well, um, if it's anything like it, my IT department, all you have to do is restart it. And it'll work. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, all right, from an IT person, restarting something fixes a lot of the problems. Okay. Isn't that the whole point <laughs> of going to sleep? That's right. The, uh, the it crowd. Have you restarted it? Have you turned it off and turned it back on? Are you sure you plugged it in? Forgot about that one. Make sure it's plugged that's in. A, yeah, it's a good show. If nobody's watched it, it's worth a watch. But in any event... It's been an interesting couple of months. We keep coming back to this topic because it seems to be engrossing all of our lives. How but could you specifically, not? we're talking, of course, about the fact that uh, we have been shut down since what March? When did the world end? March was it? I don't yeah, remember. I think March. The world ended in March, uh, unless you were in China, then it was sooner. Yeah. So, like, it's just. I the, I don't know about you guys, but the days just seem to all mesh together. But the point is, is that we're all we're always talking about coronavirus, the Rona, uh, the Chinese virus, whatever you feel like calling it. But it did a number on our world, specifically as Catholics. Um, it shut down masses throughout the entire country, and in some places, mass still isn't happening. Um, but as we come back to full and active participation, it's always good to look back on what that means and how exactly we as Catholics should be fully and actively participating. You know, there are some thoughts on it um, that are, uh, there's some ways that we can think about it that are both right and wrong. And so it's good to make sure that when we're talking about full and active participation in the mass, that we truly understand what it is that we're talking about. 
And uh, AJ, you were mentioning that in your assignment, your pastor asked you and all the other clerics, meaning the other deacons and uh, religious in the parish, to make some sort of video uh, talking about these different topics. And so, um, you know, you're you're going to be the you're going to be our go-to guy during this episode to really help rein us in. But I think Father Joe, you're going to be another wonderful resource on this one because being newly ordained, you're going to have all that memory of seminary still in there that has somehow escaped me. Uh, uh, thank, I mean, uh, sadly, in the last two years. So, hey, what about me? What's what? that phase where it's like a, a blender? It's all still swirling around. You have to grab <laughs> it every now and again. It hasn't settled well, out yet. Just dig down in there deep and, and put your hand into that blade. Hopefully, you turn the blender off first hey, so you can what, get us some of that information. What's my role in this episode? You, you are going to be the one that proposes questions oh. because you're going to be the, the experience. All right, fine. Well, I mean, you, but you have the experience of it. You know, you have, you're the one that has two children and how to deal with that <laughs> at the mass with, you know, as in, in our diocese, it's required that you wear a mask and uh, make sure that um, you're socially distanced and whatnot. You know, I was just recently at um, your home parish, Vince, for a funeral and I saw how they have the church set up and I saw some of the different things that they're having you do and it's rather interesting um, and we'll just leave it at that. But the uh, the fact is that, uh, you know, each church is doing it differently on a very um, physical level, but yet the mass doesn't change no matter what, whether it's for one person, whether it's for an online crowd or whether it's for a stadium over 10,000 people. So you have these different experiences of the mass, but how is it um, that we are full and active participants in the mass? And coming from someone, from a layman, what, what exactly do you think I'm saying when I'm saying that, Vince? Full and active? Yeah. From my perspective? Yeah. Okay, so when I when I think of full and active, I'm thinking about making sure that you are free from sin. You so you've recently gone to confession, uh, or mortal sin anyway. Uh, that you're going to mass, you're re- participating in the mass, you're receiving the Eucharist, and uh, then you go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's that's not wrong. Like everything you said was absolutely right, but it's a fascinating way. I don't know about what you guys think, but in my mind as as the priest, the one celebrating mass, that um, it wasn't what I was expecting to hear, but yet it was a really good answer off the top of one's head. Okay, fine. You show about- up, you sit down, you tell your kids to be quiet and stop fighting, <laughs> and you try to- Poor Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody that's listening, Amelia is is our uh, special guest off to the side tonight. Hey, Mimi, Amelia, I, I think Daddy turned your mic on. Can you say hello? Say hi again. Hi. hi. <laughs> Can you say so, how old you are? Tell him how, how old, old are you? Are. you? You're not four yet. You're going to be four soon. <laughs> so tell him. Say I'm going to be four soon. I'm going to be four soon. My yeah. gosh. Can you believe that? Wow. Time flies. Four. Yeah, man. How long have you and Cassandra been married? Oh, don't ask that question. Come on, man. Like what? All right. We got to know the five, date. Five years. Five, five years. So cool. what, what's yeah. your what's your anniversary date? September 12th. I remember that. Oh, I will always remember good. that as the day after September 11th. So 
Okay, not the reason why I was thinking you want to remember that, but hey, I'm not the one that's married. Um, in any event, you have to so, have. Yeah, one time, like, I'm like, yeah, like it was just, oh, geez. Yeah, no, uh, hold on. I got to talk to Emil real quick, so I'm going to mute my mic so okay. you guys keep going. That's fine. We're going to keep going. So, AJ, I, I don't know what uh, you're the one that's been doing the most research on this, but what would you think about how Vince kind of like described full and active participation? Okay. I liked it. It's not like Vince was talking about like almost like spiritual preparation. Like, like yeah. there are things you could even do before you get into mass. Not sure when you're mass, it's like pay attention. You know, maybe you've you've seen the readings before. But I like Vince's 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 answer. It was uh, you get your soul ready for mass. It's not enough just to be there and even have your mind be attentive. It's like no, is is your soul ready? You know, frequent confession, frequent prayer. Um, yeah. You know that hour you get of mass. You, that shouldn't be the only praying or the only Christian thing you do the entire week. Yeah. Yeah. Father Joe, you know, being that you're right out of seminary and you're also going through, okay, go uh, this is an interesting time to be a priest, um, and being newly ordained and going through this interesting, you know, what did you think about, uh, Vince's answer to that? Cause like I said, that, that kind of threw me for a, a loop that I didn't expect, but it, it's a pretty good answer. Yeah. I, I really appreciated it. And uh, it also, I think, sort of reinforced in my mind how even after Vatican II, we're still not living up to it because uh, – Yeah, ain't that the truth? Parish that I'm at tends to have a very – how can I – very modern music, I think, would be a, a polite way to say it. Sure. No. Even with that, you look out you know, from the alt- – I tend to celebrate from the altar right now because – we can't have altar servers to hold the book and stuff, so it's just easier for me not to fumble with everything. You look up, and there are a lot of stoic faces, people not really interested at all, and you know, they're, they're showing up every Sunday, even when the, the obligation is not there. They have to wonder why sometimes. Yeah. If you're so miserable coming here, then... You, do you still get the spiritual benefit? I really think that, yes, there's always a spiritual benefit to going to Mass, but I also know that to receive grace fully, you have to want to receive said grace. So, right. But the, I that, feel like, the, I feel it, like there's it, like a, a passive participation would be you go because it's something you've always done. Like, what's the opposite of active? Passive. Right. And like Father Joe, like you said, if people are there and they're just like zombies, like, right, why are you going? Like, are you going because there's like a Catholic guilt or or are you really trying to like fulfill the commandment to like keep holy the Sabbath? You know, it's it's funny. Um, Anybody that knows me knows that I am not a morning person and um, I do not, uh, it takes me a few hours to get awake in the morning. And um, this past, week on one of the days that I had the daily mass, it was all our masses are at 8am right now. And so I get up to go to the mass and granted I'm, I got myself up at six 30, but I'm still by eight 15 when I have to give a homily, I'm, I'm not awake or really in the mood for anything or being around people or talking like that's just who I am. I don't get, I don't do well in the mornings. Anyway, in my homily, I joke with, you know, People that come to daily mass, there has to be some good reason that we keep coming because we could be doing so many better things like, I don't know, sleeping or eating uh, 
waffles or pancakes or anything other than this and having to be with people right now. So there has to be some good reason that we come to mass. And I think um, that really kind of hits into what we were talking about with what Father Joe's noticing is that sometimes when we're there, you know, why are we there? Like actually paying attention to why we are there. That kind of leads into our full participation, that it's not just some passive action that we're watching, that it's something that we are actively engaging in. And just from a parent perspective, at least a parent with young kids, that can be difficult. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time that I had full active participation as least as much as I wanted to in mass. And, Good job, sweetie. She <laughs> Once again, children. Exactly. Yeah. They, they interrupt all the time, but it's, it's great. I wouldn't change it for the world. But um, right. and one thing is, you know, you can't get frustrated because there are times where I'll go to mass by myself because that's just what happens. Whether Usually it's a daily mass thing on like on lunch, my lunch hour I'll go. And now it's been a while since before COVID that I, I did this. Um, but, I, and I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes is I get more out of those masses sometimes than the Sunday mass because I'm not trying to wrangle two children. Um, and you just can't get frustrated. Uh, you're there, you're doing your best and God knows that you're trying to fully participate, but you have two kids that he also wants you to take care of as well. So I just want to throw that out there is it's not perfect. I don't have a perfect life. Uh, I can't remember the last time I went to mass with my whole family that I was able to feel like I was actively participating at least the whole time. Yeah. Like, and I think it's good to remember that like holiness is according to to your vocation. So Vince, like you are doing your duty as a father to raise your kids in the faith, like you promised to do at your, wedding. And so I feel like, uh, you're doing a great good. Cause I know at least I'm very indebted to my parents, you know, they had to wrangle my sister and I, when we fought in mass, uh, but I'm very grateful that they did now. Sure. They weren't getting, they weren't like immersed into the mass, but you know, there is a time that we were grown up and they, and they can, we both can enter into the mass. But I think that, um, like you're doing a, you're doing a great good for your children. Cause also, you know, you promised that. So you know, holiness is a, according to vocation. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a day when you can enter fully into the mass. Yeah. Someday <laughs> question for you. Then. <laughs> sure thing. What are your thoughts on children's church? So like having the kids go out because uh, I know talking with some of my friends, younger priests, uh, father Andy's classmate uh, being one of them when I lived with him, uh, I think it's kind of a bad idea because it doesn't teach children how to behave in church. I'm sure it gives parents that that relief. I'm just interested in your thoughts. Yeah, so that's actually a really, really good question. Um, And I've thought about this myself. Um, I try to look at it as, so when when Amelia was first born, uh, I was really into audiobooks at the time and I was just listening to everything I could find. Uh, because one thing that if anyone really knows me is I don't really get through books when I actually read them, like a real live book in front of me, a live book, a printed book in front of me is just, I just don't have the time. I just, but I've listened to podcasts like crazy on my commute. And for a while I was listening to audiobooks, and I came across one cause I've always wanted to be a farmer. Anyone that really knows me too is, is I want a bunch of land somewhere and just to raise animals and things. So I, I found this audiobook on the Amish. 
and just learning about their way of life and the kind of the, the primitive uh, dealing with the land and all that stuff. And they talked about raising children. And one thing that really kind of stood out to me uh, was they mentioned that in church, now they don't have church buildings. They go to somebody's house and they do their thing, but in their, in their, in their church, their, their, uh, you know, whatever they call it, um, the, the children are allowed to participate, to participate, no matter how much they're crying, no matter how much, uh, they're acting up, uh, they're supposed to be tolerated there. There's not supposed to be a cry room or anything like that. And that teaches the, the kids how to behave in mass or I guess in for, you know, in their example, just their regular ceremony or whatever they have. Um, and it also, you know, teaches them that not only do you have to behave this way, but we're here for a reason because of Jesus Christ. And and this is a very important time of our week and we need to, to respect that. And so they teach that as a, at a young age. So we, uh, our, our, our church has that, um, uh, that the kids, uh, a thing where like, I think it's the 1030 mass when we go to, they, they take the children's liturgy. They, yes, they take the kids back. Um, we do that now because we know that she can behave in church. Like before she wasn't behaving, like she's, she's does a really good job unless, uh, her little brother is really acting up and then they'll tease each other and stuff. But, um, before we would send her there, we wanted to make sure that she could behave if she needed to, if we needed her to. Um, and so we wouldn't send her there that, and she's also extremely shy and there's no way she would ever just do that at an even younger age than when we started. Um, but now that we do, and I feel like she, at least they, they teach about the gospel at least somewhat. And so that, that's really kind of helping her. Now we could also do that at home, but I don't know how to, like, I'm still learning as, as a young dad on like, how do you relate the gospel to a three-year-old? Uh, I don't know. I can't do that, but they seem to do a, a, d- a decent job at it. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's overly complicated, uh, but I'm not that kind of person that's able to take this big thing that adults, a lot of just adults even have a hard time understanding and then cramming it down to something that is, uh, that a, a three-year-old can understand and really get something out of meaningful. So we do send her to that. Um, and that's usually just during the readings and the homily where she doesn't yeah. understand any of that anyway. So then sure. she comes back um, and she sits there like a good girl and she, she knows that if she misbehaves, then there are consequences. And if she behaves, then there may be rewards afterwards. Um, so we wanted to make sure that she was at least somewhat disciplined before we would just say, Oh, we just need to send her away so we can actually pay attention. So that's kind of like a long winded answer to, and I mean, I understand both ways. I totally get it. And we happened to do it just because we wanted to make sure that if she wasn't going to go, that she was disciplined enough to know that mass is important. And personally, as, as the priest, um, and uh, this is just from my experience because I've been in two places where they have children's liturgy of the word. Now, it's not at every mass, no, uh, but I personally have a problem with it. Not so much in the fact of, well, we're not teaching our kids how to behave in church. 
that's not what I'm talking about. I, I that really that part doesn't bother me because I can't tell you how many times I've experienced really good kids behaving in church. You know, kids normally are pretty well behaved in church, and so what if there's a little occasional squeak or noise? Like that's the least of my worries. The problem I have with it is is being the preacher. I then, if I want to talk to the kids that day, if I want to, if my homily's geared towards the kids, I can't. I can't. In seminary information, I think Father Joe, you'll know this, and soon you, AJ. Well, actually, AJ, you should have already started homiletics, haven't you? Or, or is that coming up? It'll be in the fall. Okay, so you'll learn this soon enough from Monsignor Becker. But if you want to get the parents' attention, talk to the kids, because then you can start proposing things to the kids that then they can throw back on their parents and say, mom, dad, don't you remember what father said or, or something in that effect? And so if I want to talk to the kids and they're not there, well, I've just wasted my time. Father, that is a really interesting, I, I've never heard that side before. However, I'm going to throw this out there. So growing up, uh, I think I went to children's liturgy. My parents sent me there maybe once or twice. And it's probably because I was the shyest kid in the world who could not leave my mom's side or otherwise I'd freak out. And somehow she was able to get me away twice. I remember at least two times that ever happening. Um, but I also remember, and this was whenever I was still in Catholic school and elementary school is the only time I remember the priest in my whole entire life up until now, the only time I ever remember a priest giving a homily and actually speaking to the kids was on our Thursday morning mass. Yeah. Whenever we had to go with the school to go there any Sunday yeah. period, whether there's a liturgy of the word or not for children. Um, I've never heard a priest talk just to the kids in a homily. And I think that if that is becomes more commonplace, then I think you'll start to see these children's liturgy of the words go away. Um, what? And I think I personally, I have done that before. You know, in my current assignment, we didn't always have children's liturgy of the word. When I first got here, they didn't have that. But all of a sudden, they brought it back. Um, and I kind of was – I was disappointed because when I first got here at the 930 mass on Sundays, I always talked to the kids because it was the religious education mass. Why? Because right after that mass, all the kids went for religious ed. So I use that as an opportunity to talk to the kids, to the youth. Um Granted, not always the grade school kids, most often the um, high school kids because there were more of them than there were the little kids, which was weird, but that's besides the point. Um, I would use that time to talk to the kids. And even the one time, uh, it was um, the, it was Sunday Mass right around uh, November 1st, so All Saints Day. And all the kids for religious ed were dressed up as saints. And so the religious ed director asked me to ask the kids about the saints that they were dressed up as. Well, guess what? We got to the homily and there were no kids in the crowd because they all went out for children's liturgy of the word. So there goes that. See that. Yeah, so I, that's, that's interesting. And I think that's something that needs to come down to each individual pastor and yeah. whether or not they're, they have to think ahead of time, like years ahead of time, I guess, on kind of the kind of person maybe that they are. Do they, yeah. do they ever want to talk to the kids? Can't, do they have the ability to, you know, sometimes right. like anyone can say anything to a child and whether or not they're going to grasp it and do something with it is completely up to the way you deliver it. So if you're, if you know that you're not good at it and you know that you're not going to try to even waste your time because it's going to bore the parents and the other adults in the room, then maybe the children's liturgy of the word is, is good for you. And you have that right. for your mass, but say that you are, you know, like yourself and when you're a, 
a pastor of a, uh, a parish one day, you may decide that, Hey, I want to talk to these kids every Sunday at whatever time or, or whatever, or every single homily I'm going to have, I'm going to somehow tie it. I'm going to talk to the parents or the adults, and then I'm going to end it with talking to the kids directly and kind of giving that same message on how they can live out their life. And, uh, and then maybe you don't need that children's liturgy yeah. award. Uh, but I yeah. think that really needs to come down to each individual pastor and how they're able to communicate with certain people. You know, you may have a pastor that doesn't, can't, you might have a young pastor who's really bad at getting uh, to elderly people. Are you going to have an elderly liturgy of the word where they, you know, they, before everything happens, they go into the other room and they get their own catechesis while you talk to the younger crowd. I mean, that's not exactly. You know what works there though? If you have someone that doesn't do well relating with the elderly, have them relate to the youth because we all were youths. We were all, we were all children at one point. And that's just, and that's what Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. That was my experience. But if you talk to the youth, okay, here's another thing. Ask any person that is over 30 years old, ask them how old they think they are, how old they feel they are, whether ignoring their body or ignoring the different um, situations that you find yourself in. Everybody's going to say that they're somewhere between their 20s and their 40s in those 20 years because those are the quote unquote best time of our life. And so um, whether that's true or not, you know, I'm, it's still to be seen. But the idea is that when you think about yourself, you don't think about yourself uh, as a decrepit person. You think about yourself in your spry, youthful age. So you're going to be able to relate to a youthful thing. In any event, all this kind of like takes a – it feeds into the act, full and active participation. But Father Joe, you presented this question. What do you, what do you think about both Vince's answer and, and my sort of irritation? Rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so example I'd like to give is of a, a family at one of the parishes that I was at. Uh, wonderful family took great care of me. Uh, they had a son who had very severe autism. And uh, I, I didn't even know it the first couple of is that I was there because he was so well behaved in church. His dad told me when he was a young kid was like, the dad was juggling. They sat in the back of church because the the young boy was very, very disruptive. He said he felt like he was juggling the whole mass. They kept working with him and working with him and working with him. And uh, now whenever they come to mass, they sit right up front. I, the young boy's end always goes out to give you a high five as you walk back to the back of mass before the procession, You know, before the pandemic started, of course, I should say. Uh, but it it took a lot of work, his family said. These days, you know, he's, he's more well-behaved than some of the children without autism in the church. So a, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it takes an effort. Like Vince said, you have to be willing to make sure that your kids have discipline. Can't expect it to happen overnight, though. Right. Uh, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, uh, and this happened, you know, the Methodist church that I belong to before my conversion, this happens at all the Catholic churches I'm at. People have a tendency to glare at families if they have kids that are acting up. I uh, And I just, I can't figure that out because how do we expect kids to learn how to behave at mass 
the first time they act out before the parents have any time to do anything to correct the matter. We're glaring at them and making them feel like they have to leave so they're not causing a disruption. Yeah, Father Joe, I got and, something. Uh, I got an experience right there for you. So okay. when Amelia, it was just Amelia before Gio was even born, uh, I remember one time we went. We got it. We we have our regular pew, like I think most families do, and we sat down. And there was an older woman in front of us who's never sat in front of us before. I've never seen her before, but as soon as we sit down, she looks at us, sees that we have a kid. She gets up and goes to the other side of the church, like and Amelia's being perfectly well behaved. Like, <laughs> but but I guess in her mind, she's like, oh nope, there's a kid here. There's no way I'm going to be able to sit next to a kid. So she just stands yeah. up, doesn't say a word, and just walks and sits down a couple pews over, a couple aisles over. It's like, really? Are you kidding me? That's so crazy. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago when you had me tell my vocation story, I mentioned that my cousin had uh, a huge influence on my conversion. And uh, she is now married and she has a young son. And we were able to come to one of my first masses. And her young son, uh, he's almost two years old, but now his big thing is Buzz Lightyear. And uh, I forget what part of the mass it was. I think I just finished the gospel and was getting ready to give my homily. And uh, all of a sudden, a son starts shouting, Buzz, Buzz. He, he had a Buzz Lightyear doll that I, I don't know if they took it from him or if he dropped it or what, but he started hollering out. And I couldn't help but back up a little bit. And uh, I, I just can't imagine... If you, young kids are our future, how anyone could look at that with anything other than joy? Trying to, we already complain that young kids are leaving church and not coming back. Well, maybe it's because every time they have the slightest amount of joy, they're glaring at them and scowling and wouldn't want to keep that and never come back. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. I think we need to remember that the mass is for everyone, like even especially the little kids. And I think Vince, you made a good point that sure they may not get the homily or the readings, but maybe if you send them away every Sunday, they're going to think, Oh, this part isn't for me, but the mass is for them. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and I, I remember being in a, uh, I took a pilgrimage to France a couple of years ago and we were in a, uh, just a regular Dossison, uh church in downtown Paris and for regular mass. And I was surprised at how big the church was. And there were no like babies, like there's, there's no noise. And I think that was profound for me because I thought like, does the church here have a future that, you know, if you go to a church here in the U S and there's a ton of kids and babies and big families, you think, okay, we're going to be okay. Like these parents are raising their kids in the faith. They're going to teach them that the mass is important. But I just remember being at a church when there, where there are no babies and it was almost it was almost weird. Like I was not used to that. You know, I, honestly, one of the things that we chatted about in um, the fact, so the Paris that I'm at has three churches um, and they're in the process of coming down to one church. And one of the, one of the key factors that the diocese puts out on whether a church is viable or not is, is there life in it? And that doesn't mean just like, are there people participating? No, no, no. It means like, is there youth presence there? If there is no youth presence there, there is not life in that church. It's going to die because yeah. 
what happens. We all die. We all get older. We all die. And so if there's not that youth in there, it's almost like beating a dead book. You're beating a dead uh, horse. You know, it's, uh, it's pointless. So that's kind of like in a long roundabout way, it's, it's a random way to look at, but a really fascinating way to look at full and active participation that it's not just the participation that we have in the church during mass, but even more so than that is preparing your heart for that, uh, that celebration and that participation. You know, one of the things I was looking at is um, Sacro Sanctum Concilium, which of course is a document and document, man, if I could only talk by Pope Paul VI from December 4th, 1963, right around the time and of the dealings with uh, uh, the change in Vatican II, et cetera. Um, and so they, you know, they're pr- the, in the second chapter, it says the promotion of liturgical instruction and active participation. And it, it says uh, in the restoration and promotion of, of the sacred liturgy, meaning the mass, uh, this full and active participation by all people is the aim to be considered before all else. And so what that doc- this document is really referring to in full and active participation is how we are acting during the Mass. But I think if we were to chat with Pope Paul VI, uh, I think he would agree that it goes beyond than that, uh, beyond just that, because earlier – in paragraph 12, it says the spiritual life, however, is not limited solely to participation in the liturgy. So as Vince said, um, the Christian is indeed called to pray with his brethren, but he must also enter into his chamber and pray to his father in secret. Yet more, accordingly to the teaching of the apostle, he should pray without ceasing. We learn from that same apostle that we must always bear about in our body of the the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodily frame. And so I, I, you know, when we think about it, I don't know, um, AJ or father Joe, uh, but I think when we talk about in seminary, we're always talking about, well, you got to be able to sing and you got to be able to read and you got to be able to hear, which are all important. I mean, like those are key, but Vince's understanding and Vince's explanation of it, I think is key is that it goes beyond um, just the fact of, what we're doing in the pews and it's supposed to be making it a life, which I making it alive in our lives, which I think at least at, I hope and pray that in my um, homilies and in, in what I'm doing as a priest, I'm hoping and praying that it is, that is becoming evident in what we are saying as a church, because it can't just be um, something we do once a week. It has to be our entire selves. Yeah. yeah Father Andy, it's funny uh, when you mentioned when you mentioned Sacred Sanctum Concilium, because I have it pulled up too. Um, and I'm going to quote from just below there is uh, in paragraph 19, it says, with zeal and patience, pastors of souls must promote the liturgical instruction of the faithful and also their active participation in the liturgy, both internally and externally. So I think that was interesting because it puts part of the burden on pastors and it says with zeal, but also with patience. Yeah. And like, and like we said, uh, Last week on the podcast, like, be charitable. So for the pastor who's trying to preach and he's, he's getting frustrated with all the kids wrestling around with zeal and patience, he, yeah. he must instruct. You know what? I've, I applaud every single pastor that I've ever seen in mass when we have a kid that's just screaming his head off and you can tell everyone else is getting mad and upset and the pastor just continues life is like 
just keeps going or sometimes yeah. he entertains it as well. Yeah. But he, he never, he never says, oh, take that kid to the back. I've never once heard that from a pastor. I've heard that from people in the pews, but I've never heard that from a priest. And I think that's, and that's, that's the charity that we really need to in, in, you know, um, embody in our lives, in our daily lives, because, uh, as, as I keep like hearkening back to, you were once one of those children, <laughs> Yeah, at some point terrible. in your life, you were once one of those children that was screaming your head off. Yep. Yeah, and you, going back to you, you want to see life in the church. I love seeing people bringing brand new babies into the church. Yes, because if that's the next generation, and I know it's going to continue, and it's not going to die out with me or my kids. And and, and as as human beings, that's what we want in general. Is we want um, to see what we have undertaken. Um, continue on and go beyond us. And, and that's a very important thing when you start to look at human nature in its complete understanding. The the human person, as you get to a certain age, you want to work towards building up the next generation. That's the whole goal is to have something that when you are on your deathbed, you can look back and say, yeah, I did that. Now, as a Christian, we would say it's not us that did it. Of course, it's Christ that did it through us. But we have to have some sort of participation in that. And that, once again, leads back into the full active participation in the liturgy. Because, as Paul VI would say, it's not just the liturgy at the church that is important. It's the liturgy that we lead in our daily lives. And what is it that liturgy means? It's the work of the people in prayer. And so if our whole life is supposed to be a a formation of prayer— then the liturgy should be where we receive, as we are told, the source and summit of our faith to be able to live it out. And so this is a really important topic, especially as we return to our churches. In some places, we've been in churches, you know, AJ, you said a while back when we first interviewed you that you guys were going back to full masses, or not full masses, excuse me, to um, using your church buildings. And then we were right behind in the Diocese of Erie. And some places like New York City, there's still some places that are not fully open yet, but we're working towards that. And we're praying that we don't have to come back to a point in, in our churches even now in, in the recent, uh, in the um, very near future of having to close our churches. Paying attention to our faith and and why we're doing what we're doing and exactly how to live it out. So, I, so the fact, oh, yeah. Well, I, w- I want to make sure we come back onto that topic, but I want to go yeah. back first to young people in the church and constantly trying to renew that is I can't even count how many times I've been told by people or questioned by people, I guess, ever since having children is why in the world would you want to bring another kid into this world the way that it is right now? And there's no way like, and these are also not only older people, but people my age too, who are married and, and maybe just have dogs as children or, or whatever it may be. And they're like, there's no way I would ever want to bring a kid into the world right now, the way that it is. I'm like, have you, have you looked at, have you picked up a history book? Seriously. When in the world has there ever been a moment of peace where it's perfect to raise a child? I would argue that this is the perfect time to raise a child, especially if you have faith, if you don't have faith and you think the world is just burning and that's it. And you, then, then sure, I guess I can, I can empathize with you and see where you're coming from, but that's, that's not the, that's not the end. That's not, it, it just drives me nuts as I, I, I've heard it so many times and I know we'll continue to hear it as I know we want to have more children and 
as soon, I guarantee as soon as we, you know, if we ever have a third, uh, people are going to just start questioning, especially because if you have more than two kids, you're crazy. People look at you like you got three eyes and, uh, and so why in the world would you want to do that? Well, one, when has there ever been a perfect time to raise a child? And two, you know, I know if I raise them the right way, I'm hoping that they get to get to go to heaven one day. And I would love to see that happen for them. So I just wanted to touch upon that because it's just a frustration that I have that is it's constant people. I I just can't believe like people are even so arrogant to say that even people that we don't know that that well. And it's just something that frustrates me. It's like, I pray for them because they, they really need to see their, they need to open their eyes to realize that no, now is the perfect time to raise a child. And if you want to look in a secular sense only, then, okay, I'm going to raise up my kids to be disciplined and uh, law abiding. And maybe someday that they can make a change in, in what's going on for the better instead of just being so pessimistic all the time. Yeah. I think even like uh, from a, like a secular standpoint and to not even bring, you know, the faith into it is, well, history changes pretty quickly and times change just as fast. So how do you know that, that the age that you would bring a child into the world will still be the age when they're like, you know, becoming adults. Right. People like, were still who, having kids who knows? during the great depression and the world wars and the civil war yeah. and the revolutionary war. We were all having kids then. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Cause like humanity would have stopped. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I mentioned this often, but we all know my mother is a nurse midwife and, um, I just have to say, I don't think we have too much to worry about, except for the fact that Planned Parenthood still exists. But um, by December, we're going to have a, a baby boom. Amen. That's awesome. Mm. That's good. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's it's definitely funny. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be a baby boom coming. Good. So I, I one at least one more topic I want to talk about tonight. And it's kind of related to what we were talking about was, so what do you guys think, especially AJ and, and Father Joe, uh, I really want to hear your thoughts on this because Father Andy and I have kind of talked about this a couple of times and at least once on a podcast is when this is all over coronavirus and, and we all have an obligation to go back to mass, are you going to see a decline in your numbers? Or are you going to see an increase or is it going to go right back to where it was? And what kind of, what do do you think? I find it interesting that uh, during the quarantine and this semester, I had a class on uh, prophetic literature. So the literature of the prophets, you know, um, and scripture. And a lot of them deal with the exile, right? So all the Jewish people, they're taken away from the promised land itself and it enslaved. And then uh, another king comes in and frees them, and they're allowed to go back. And not everyone went back. So uh, that's a big thing is like remnant theology. And that's kind of been on my mind is even though in that time the Jewish, Jewish people were free to go back to the Holy, Holy Land, to Jerusalem, not everyone did. And so I feel that with the quarantine and with the dispensation to go to Mass, if people were on the fence with their faith and like trying to determine if mass is really necessary, this could push them over the edge. So my own opinion, you know, my, my subjective opinion is that I think numbers will be down, but my hope is that those who come back, they'll be much stronger. 
I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and at one, at, at one point of that, I think that's good. Let's cut the fat and let's, let's go back to like a, let's really get into this in our faith and let's be hardcore with this. And then on the other hand, it's like, we're losing souls if we do that. And it makes me sad and I don't want that to happen, but I think it's just a sad reality that it is. And I guess all you can do is pray for those people and try to reach out to them. Um, and I hate to see it happen, but I think that's what, what's going to happen. So what do, what do you think, Father Joe? I think it depends largely on what the pastors did while everyone was away. You know, uh, the group of pastors that I've been working with, you know, many of them have called every single parishioner on their books just to check in on them, see if they could do things for them. I know a lot have been live streaming masses, finding ways to help people stay connected. I think priests who were able to do things like that will see a, a good return on that. I think the the priests who sort of hold up and shut everything down and do any sort of reaching out, I uh, think there will be a lot, lot more of a decline in number. So that that makes sense. If you weren't there in my time of need, then what do I need you for? And I, you know, I think just to reiterate that it is, that is so true. Um, I had mentioned that I was doing first Friday calls recently. And the fact is, is that that was something that someone said is that, you know what, I was able to participate in your meaning mine uh, as father Andy. We remember we were doing masses um, every day online at noon for the longest time. And people I heard, over and over again from the people that I visited during my most recent First Friday calls is that um, I, I took the month of July uh, and I said I wasn't going to do 12 o'clock mass all month just because um, I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. Um, you know, my brother's in town and so I'm traveling back to Washington State with him um, in a few days. So I'll be gone for a long stretch of time. And with the time change and with the four days of driving, it's going to be kind of difficult. So I just said, you know, I'm going to keep doing my daily mass, but it's going to have to be uh, when I can um, fit it into the schedule for where I'm going to be. Because I'm, I'm, it's not like I can just say, all right, Dave, you got to stop the car. It's 9 a.m. And that uh, that means it's noon on the East Coast. We got to stop and I got to celebrate mass. Stop, like climb up to a mountaintop and have yeah, the most yeah. amazing outdoor mass ever. Yeah. I, so like, let's just... In reality, I mean, if anybody's ever seen video of me or pictures, you know, I, I'm not the smallest person. That that's not going to happen. You're not going to hike um, to the top of a mountain, huh? I I don't do any of that oh, hiking stuff. I, I don't do that. But the people that are the ones that have been the most gracious are the ones that um, have realized that those those priests that are trying and you know doing their best to reach out. Whether it is mass online, whether it is posting their homilies, whether it is making the phone calls, whether it is even visiting with certain people that you can, you know, as Father Joe had mentioned, I don't know, if, I don't think it was ever on the podcast, but he mentioned to me that one of the pastors that he was working with um, would go to the hospital and sit out in the parking lot at the hospital after having received the list of Catholic patients and call each one of their rooms and see how they were doing over these last few months. You know, if someone went to the hospital and they the priest couldn't visit them in the pandemic, he would sit in the parking lot and call them. Like that is a really dedicated pastor. Absolutely. That's amazing. You know, and that same pastor, the dedication. 
so, um, the poor man is receiving horrible, horrible things said about him and written about him. And it's just sad. And there's a lot of hatred and anger towards him right now. And it's all unfounded. But the one person he called, she was worried because she wasn't going to be able to receive her groceries. She wasn't going to be able to get her groceries um, because her daughter is not as healthy and they were starting to close down. And this priest offered to go out with his own money and buy her groceries. That completely changed her impression of him. Like 100%, you know, it it was a uh, 180, 100% change in her attitude towards him. And she started telling people, I don't know what you people are saying about him, but this is not the man that I met and is a completely different person. So it's just, it's those little things of reaching out that is going to make the biggest change on if people come back or not. Right, Father? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's the same thing Jesus would do. And you looked at, you know, what the Pharisees did to him, they didn't like him and it was completely unfounded and, and they crucified him for it. But then he also had thousands of followers who loved everything that he did and were like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. So, and it's also time for renewal too. So maybe, maybe you were a priest who you had claims against you that were founded. You know, maybe you were heartless. Maybe you didn't really sound like you didn't really care or whatever. And during this time, you were able to prove that you maybe you had to change your heart or and you started caring for your, your flock, you know, in your parish. So it's a really good time, you know, for, for self-reflection from a, a pastor standpoint too, you know, not only just us as lay people who we've, we've thought about this for, for months now. And like, how do I feel about this whole, you know, going to mass thing and, and, and everything about our, our life and our faith. And is, is this even real? We all question those things, but as a, as a pastor, you can, you can look back and say, okay, how am I handling, you know, the, the, the parishioners in my parish and what can I do better to help them? Because that's what I'm here for. And that's wonderful that to, to hear that, that he's doing that and, and willing to go out and get groceries. You know, you just see some of the, heroic things that a lot of priests have done. I mean, I'm seeing on Facebook all the time, you know, they'll go out and stand on a street corner and bless people, uh, or they'll hold the blessed sacrament on a street corner or they'll, I mean, there's so many different things I've seen. Um, and, and it's, this is a really good opportunity for that because yeah, you're, you may lose some souls, but you're going to gain some as well in the process, especially if you're out there and looking for them. And that's what we're all called to do whether you're a priest or a layperson, we're all called to do that. I'm a huge Churchill fan. And uh, one of his quotes is stuck with me. He said, uh, sometimes when fortune scowls most spitefully, she is preparing her most dazzling gifts. I think the coronavirus has just been a huge example of that. But we have all of the, the negative things. Uh, but I really appreciate watching stories that, Parents who have been forced to work from home have been there at their children's first words or their first steps. So uh, even in the midst of all of this tragedy, there has still been good things happening. I think the same can apply for the church also. I think it requires exactly what Vince said. Priests and parishioners who are willing to put themselves out there share the love of Christ with other people. It's not just going to happen automatically, but it's going to require work. Work, if we're willing to do it, will provide a a rich harvest. 
And uh, the, the Lord tells us in the gospel that there's plenty of work to do, but there are very few workers to do it. So, you know, should be our rallying cry as we prepare to move forward past this pandemic. Uh, everyone's going to have to put on their hucking boots and get out there and start bringing, start bringing people back. There's a, a, a deep hunger for the Lord in the world today. Mm. Yeah, and whether or not it. whether or not the people know it or you know whether they, they know it or not, they it, they need it. Exactly. They need it. Exactly. And so they may come it, kicking and screaming. It's funny that like what an impact a small thing can do. Because I know there's two saints that come to mind: uh, Saint Teresa of Lisieux and Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Like, at least for the, the latter saints, uh, she said, "Do great, do small things with great love." And then with Teresa of Lisieux, we have you know her little way. It's funny that in this time, how impactful small acts, like, like how impactful they can be. You know, you think as a pastor, as a priest, as a Catholic to evangelize, oh, I need to do great, huge deeds. No, it starts with just doing very small things, uh, but with great charity. And it sounds like a lot of priests, a lot of lay people have been doing those things during the quarantine. And uh, so, okay, as witness to that, I have a story that just happened yesterday or at least actually over the past couple of weeks. So I really wanted to, after this whole COVID thing, you re, everyone knows that the, the shelves were empty in the grocery stores. You couldn't find anything. So I was certain that I was going to plant a garden this year so that I would not have any issues the next time there's a shortage. I didn't get around to that. You know, with kids and everything going on and things that need done around the house, I did not have time to plant a garden this year. But I have a very uh, generous um, very devout Christian coworker, um, who I went to his house one time to, to give him a rain barrel for his, uh, for his garden that I happened to have an extra barrel. And he gave me so many different plants to plant in my garden. And it's just like, this is like, you just provided me months worth of food with the amount of extra plants that you, you gave me. And it doesn't sound like much when someone says, Hey, do you want some tomato plants? It's like, yeah, sure, I guess I'll take them. And a lot of people, they, they don't care. It's a throwaway culture. Well, this is this is months of food that we can can and, and and have if this ever happens again. And if it doesn't, and I hope to God it doesn't, then it's something we can enjoy in the wintertime as just a, a luxury food that we have that it's it's fresh tomatoes that we can from the summer. And uh and it's just little things like that. Um you know, that, that we're doing for each other. Um, we're too busy right now saying, okay, me, 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 what can I take for myself instead of giving to others? And uh, it's just something that we need to be more appreciative of whether, whether it's something very tiny and very small, like, okay, I have these extra plants in my garden that I don't need. You can have them if you want, I guess. Um, it's very meaningful to me as someone who feels like that I failed because I wasn't able to plant a food garden for my family this year. Um, or if it's something big, like, you know, I know people who donate cars and stuff that they don't no longer need to people that are needy. And that's, that's a big expense. So I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head there. And that's just, it, it can be something very simple. It doesn't take much. What an interesting way to take on the topic of full and active participation, but it's, it's right. so true because as I have mentioned over and over again, it's the fact that our liturgy isn't just, you know, the true definition of liturgy is the work of the people, but it, it goes beyond just what we do in our churches. It starts there. 
and that's where it has to be it it's um it's best but it goes beyond that and so taking this and understanding this in in a human way i think is really important um for everyone and we could have sat here and talked about what a a perfect liturgy should look like but i don't think that's going to help anybody um yeah i see you laughing aj because it's (laughs) true but we remember we were taught at saint vincent so we know perfect liturgy um, but the point is like, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect liturgy because it is our work. It's what we do. And so um, taking this on in a different way, we could have sat here, like I said, talking about the rubrics and the rudimentary things, but it has to go beyond that. It has to go beyond just, uh, you know, say the black, do the red, which is important. I mean, like, I'm not saying that's not important, but it it can't just be that. It has to be something more than that. It has to be who we are as a people. So it's our experience and everything. It's our outreach afterwards. It's, it's everything. Like you said, it's very important that you get those things, right. Those very basic things. And we can nitpick those all day long and we can nitpick how the mass is supposed to look like how traditional it needs to be. But at the end of the day, that's not all that matters. It's everything else that goes into it. Right. Because e- even the word mass comes from the uh, dismissal in Latin, ita misa est. Yeah. Go, having been sent. Like the name mass, it means go. You've had this great gift of the Eucharist. Go out into the world and do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, ita misa est. Go, having been sent. You have now been Deo sent. Deo gracias. Deo gracias. That's right. Thanks be to God. Have sent. And uh, off we go. So thank you guys for joining in with us tonight. Uh, AJ, thank you for really placing this topic in our in our midst because I think it's been a great conversation um, and one that I hope that we can continue, not just the four of us and hopefully soon five. We're going to keep pestering him till he joins us. But, um, you know, the fact that we can keep going from this uh, experience um, and, and keep talking about this. So thank you guys. Vince, throwing it back to you. You got to finish this one up. Wrap it up. Okay. Uh, yeah, I want to do this one right this time. So, um, <laughs> AJ, what is right? A- AJ, you got anything to plug? Do you got anything you want to talk about uh, to end this out? Do you want to throw out any names, any shout outs, anything like that? Uh, not necessarily. Just uh, pray for the people of Covington, Kentucky, and that diocese, and then for uh, me and my classmate John who will hopefully be ordained in March. That's so exciting. I hope, let's pray that there's no COVID next year because I want to come down for that one. <laughs> and maybe I'll come down and we can do the bourbon trail afterwards too. Sounds like a plan. Ooh, yeah. Good plan to me. All right, cool. Joe, you got to come too. Yeah, yeah, fellow Joe, you're going to have to come. Good. So- All righty. Father Joe, do you got anything to, to plug? Any final words? No, for someone who uh, who can talk to a brick wall all day, I've got nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes uh, no news is good news, I guess. So, uh, all right, we're going to end it there. So you can find us on EncounterMercy.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which we don't update any of those really all that, no, that well. But, follow anyway. but, but if you go into iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, literally any of the podcasts, uh, type platforms out there, you can uh, find us. And I hope that you do and subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, that way we come directly to you every week, whether you like it or not. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So uh, we're going to end it right here, folks. Thanks for listening. 
we really appreciate everything that uh, you've done for us, um, promoting us and, and everything like that, especially with the algorithms, uh, which are, which are, I am. yeah, I, I don't even understand those, but uh, that's it. Peace, everybody. <laughs>